0: Welcome to Doc Talks brought to you from Nerdworks Media. Hi, welcome back to Doc Talks where I doc talk. and You can't hear me, so let me fix that. That'll help a ton. So, welcome back to Doc Talks where I doc talk. We're coming back. We're getting into this, it means we're going to make the same mistakes we do a million times. Hope everybody's doing good today, and it is good to be back doing this. Sorry about the lapse. There was a lot of stuff going on, and it uh, just took a toll on me. So I literally was just non-connected to the internet, and I decided when I came back, we're going to try something new. So I went over to the NerdWorks YouTube and decided to do a live here and realized that that gives us two schedules that we can work with at NerdWorks Media. So look for us advancing that in the future. Thank you guys for coming back. We are still in season one with our series of Dungeons and Dragons. We are going through the classes. We're explaining what happens. What are the options per the books? And I, I said this before. There's a ton of other. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? There's a ton of other options out there, homebrew and stuff like that. They're not against the rules. It depends on what your DM wants to do. So if you are interested in that, please just talk to your DM and see if they allow you to do those. There might be some changes. I know when we talk about um, when we talk about DMs and we talk about D and D, we miss a few things talking. And uh, one of those is that we don't talk enough about uh, making things equal. So it's not the DM's job to make sure that a fight is fair or equal or equitable or whatever. It's not. It's their idea to create a campaign in a world where different things are. Having said that, one of the things the DM has to keep a DM storyteller doesn't matter what game this is not DND dependent. They have to make sure that the party is balanced. What do I mean by that? That the party playing their character has an equal opportunity to make their characters. The let the players be their characters to what the players allow their potential to be. So if I'm stopping one character from coming down a little bit, I got to make sure that when they are doing their thing, that it's not a one-man show. And that is one of the hardest things for a DM. A lot of DMs just want to do whatever you want to do and then turn around and wonder why the party split up, or why not everybody was having fun. And the reason is because people don't build sidekicks, unless that's what you guys decided at the beginning. Everybody builds heroes, villains, friends that go around and should equally contribute to whatever is going on. It's going to be hard if you get a min-maxer that's only concerned about battle, keeping them inside the lines on battle stuff. But you're now in a realm of worrying where you shouldn't be. This is something that the players need to talk about in 0 We're going through the classes and we're going to see if today we can get through the last little bit we've got of Monk's. Um, below you can see already connected there's a bunch of links to this they're on the podcast form all this other stuff Um, one is our discord family we would love for you to come out we do have rules it's a very tight knit group so if you come in just throwing weight around and nobody likes it they're going to let you know um, but other things that are on here are, like, there's basic rules of D&D. You do not need to spend a dime to try playing Dungeons & Dragons. If you're trying to play Dungeons & Dragons at its peak with all the related released materials, of course you could dig around on the internet. If you're one of those people that you understand that the reason it continues to go is because it makes money, well, then that's what we're going to have to get into. Now, I know that a couple of the... The resolution rates on this are not going to be the same. It's because going from YouTube to, to from Twitch to YouTube, uh, there's a little change.s So don't worry about that. We are jumping back into the monks, and we are going to jump into um, open hand. But the first thing that we always do is talk about two things, and one is traditionally what are monks. Historically, monks are those that somehow stop themselves, control themselves from. Uh, Outside sources, usually historically a monk was hermit. There wasn't a lot of monasteries, though there were monasteries for people that reached some kind of religious or spiritual enigma. And they wanted to explore that introvertically um, and, and, and test their theories or find the truth that they were seeking. A lot of them were not martial arts, but when we talk about how we stereotype, when we talk about movies, and remember, for me, that's how I look at this. We're either writing a book together or creating a movie together using characters and a narrator. And it can be funny, it can be humor, it can be drama, it can be anything. Monks are going to be those monks. The monks that studied at a monastery and they studied self-defense to express their outward expression. There's a couple of historical things in here. There's a couple of fantasy things in here. I'm going to tell you not to get caught up on trying to find something to be agitated about because you will. It was a game designed. It's not supposed to be exactly right. And most things can be changed if you talk to your DM. Page 7 of the Dungeon Master's Guide, I believe it's paragraph 7, explained. These are guideline rules. Everything that's printed is a guideline rule. The important thing is to keep things close. That somebody doesn't feel like they're the hero in the story or the battle or whatever. And to do that, you need to make sure that the, the powers are equal. What's going on? You're going to realize, if you're like me and you buy all the books, that as they release more books and you get into them, the mo- the stronger they are in a sense. And so you need to maybe make some adaptations to that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Trying to play a monk, you've got to understand that key, that central focus, that being, is a peaceful thing. Monks are designed to be no magic items, right? Ooh, um, hold on. Excuse me. Oh, where'd that come from? Uh no magic items. They they everything that is from among comes from within. DMs get hung up on this because they want to give all this stuff and give these awesome things to the, to the players. If you let the players play and, you know, if you know, because you've been playing as long as I have, D&D has always had, like, a magic level within level of the APR or APL. Uh, average party level. Everybody should have this many magic items of this type, etc. Monks are an exception to this. Monks are the magic. and And they can. There are some things that monks can use, but that's not the main focus of a monk. I hear my robot vacuum. In D&D, all monks get a set of things, and then to expand on that, you go to these traditions. They don't lose anything from what all monks get, and it's a pretty long list. Monks get quite a bit to make what they are. Let's go through them real quick. So one of the things that monks get is, um, well, we have to understand, too, is that they don't get any armor proficiencies. And that's because external is where a monk trains from within. What does that mean? That means that key that focus they're supposed to be that their internal studies, their internal training causes them not to have any wear any armor and we'll get to that in a second. Weapons they get simple or short swords because monks in this sense really just use hands. Uh if you want to do a a monk that is set into a weapon, a type. Um, This is where the traditions come in. You can go pick Kensei out. And it's actually really good. We've already covered it. You can go back a couple episodes if you'd like. Artesian tools. They get one set of tools or an instrument. And this is the expression of the focus that they have that they're working with. Monks are... patient masters, they understand study and practice so artists it doesn't matter because all of them are some kind of art if you wanted to think about it even poison making and so you can put that into there you as a monk are granted an unarmored defense, remember I was talking about that, you don't get any armor and that's because you get something unusual and that's normally if you're not wearing armor in the game how we figure out your armor class or AC is it's just a base of 10 plus whatever your dex is It's that simple. It's not hard, but a monk, because of their training, the hardness, their life force, they now get to add their wisdom modifier as well as their dexterity modifier. Both of these are usually really high for a monk plus that 10, which gives them an armor class without armor. And to be honest with you, it's just a reflection. They don't need anything. Um, I I have had people at my table that wanted to play Monks, but wanted to get all this stuff. They were worried about money and all this other thing. And so I had to sit down and be like, what is it you're trying to get? What are you trying to show with what you're doing with this? What kind of Monk are you playing? And it's fine. I was just trying to understand it so that I can make the game better. We cannot hope that our DMs understand what we want. And we as DMs cannot hope, that our players understand what we're trying to get across either. These are conversations, and we need to be adult enough to have them. Um, you also gain something called martial arts. So unarmed strikes are usually one point that they hit, plus your strength. Martial arts uh, does a few things for a monk. One, doesn't. you don't have to use strength. You could, but you don't have to. You can use your decks instead. And so that changes a little bit when it comes to the mechanics of it. And that's for their attacks. Their damage rolls are also now a dice. In the martial arts column. If you go to the martial arts section. It'll tell you. And it starts off with 1d4. So it's not just one point anymore. Now it's 1d4 plus their dex. It's already right out the bat. Not needing anything. You could play a nakey (laughs) character. With this. And be absolutely fine. Uh, But again. you, You use that d4 instead of that one. You use dex. You can use Dex or Strength. It's up to you. Uh, at second level, you get... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm skipping stuff. When um, when you attack, use your attack action with a monk. It Whether unarmed or monk weapon is what it says, but that's that list of stuff that you're good with. Most people use quarterstaff. Uh, you can also make one armed arm distract as a bonus action. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to do anything. This is right off the bat hit with one, punch with another, that's the end of your turn. It is taking up your bonus action, so you don't have any more bonus actions, but you start off with that. When we get to second level, we unlock that key ability, that thing that everybody wants. But no matter what show you've ever seen a monk on, that key, that's what they were using, whatever you thought was cool, that was what it was. Unless you thought it was cool just not to have armor. Um, or, you know, a hit dice instead of one point. Uh, the save for a key is always the same. It's Eight, plus your proficiency bonus, which goes up when you level up, plus your wisdom modifier, which if you don't have a max whiz right off the bat, you're going to go ahead and stack some in as you go. So you're going to have to pay attention to that every time you level up. You can use these points for a few things right off the bat at second level. One is flurry of blows. Immediately after using attack action, you can use your bonus action and spend a key point to make two unarmored attacks instead of one as your bonus action. Or you can take patient defense, which uses a key point to take the dodge action as a bonus action. And keeping in mind, you only have the one bonus action, so you have to make a decision what you want. Monks confuse people because they allow you to have a lot of options. And I think the assumption is that monks can just do all the options. And that's not it at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the last thing is step of the wind. Um, You'd be able to spend a key point to use your bonus action to dash or disengage. Which is, this is controlling, and if you're bad in strategy, all these little options allow you to have these things. You gain unarmor movement that increases your base speed by 10. That when it just starts, you get 10 extra feet. So if you're regularly moving 30 feet, it's now regularly 40 feet. You're quick. Because you're a monk, ha ya. Um, sorry, I get into it. Uh, and it goes up at certain levels. At ninth level, with this, you can move. Um, it adapts. Not only do you get the extra speed, but now you can run across vertical or liquid surfaces. So you can run across a wall or run across a creek. You can't finish your movement. So hopefully, it's only forty feet of movement. Uh, because then now you're swimming, and then there's a whole other set of rules for that. If you're in that, or any other liquid that you're trying to run across. At third level, you finally choose that tradition. We're going to talk about the last of those. If you're interested in you're hearing this for the first time, go back to Doc Talks. It's on podcast form, or you can go to YouTube, Nerdworks Media, and you can find them on there and watch or listen. And I explain those as we go. Uh, I think Mike actually did a set for me as well. At third level, you also gain deflect missiles. And now, this is a big one that a lot of people want to play monks for. Because it's going to use your reaction up. But if somebody shoots a missile at you that is not magical, you can deflect or... And and I'll explain where I get that from. Your DM can do it differently. Talk to your DM. They could absolutely make magical missiles one of them. But the way the rules say is that a ranged weapon attack specifically. So a sling, a crossbow, a longbow, shortbow, etc. Or a thrown weapon. Those are what are considered melee if they're ranged weapons attacks. If the ranged weapon attack hits you, so it's got to pass that first one before you do anything, the attacker rolls damage. Before you take the damage, you can actually use your reaction to deflect the missile. And you roll a d10, you add your dex and your monk level. Right away, average modifier for a key ability, meaning the specific ability for a class, which this one is dex, We'll say it's 3. At 3rd level, that's 6. You have a d10, up to 16 points of damage. If you do this, use your reaction, do all that stuff, and you reduce it to 0, you actually catch it. And then you can use, if you want, to use one key point to make a ranged attack of 20 feet up to 60 feet as a reaction as well. So know that you could use it as part of the same step. I understand that you're using your reaction. This is where it gets crazy. DMs, if it's in the rules, but you have to use a reaction to do it, and you need another reaction, there's no rule for that. It it implies that you can use this as part of the same reaction. At fourth level, you gain Slow Fall. Uh, You use your reaction. Again, you have to have the reaction to use this. Assuming you still have it, to reduce falling damage by five times your monk level, Which, at this point, level 4 is 20 points of falling damage. Everybody that plays kind of has an idea of that if you've ever fallen, unless your DM doesn't care about falling damage, which is fine. Some DMs play it that you have to fall at least 10 feet to even get it, so you can track 10, some say for every 10. The rules say for every 10, it's 1d6. So 20 points of damage, even if you fell 40 feet, you might take 4 points if the DM rolls max on that. Because you don't have to roll. You get 20 points. And then each level is going to go up. And that is gross and awesome. And it's why DMs don't like it. I do as a DM because I like to watch people use their storytelling ability. And their abilities to play a story and be different. And I love it. Um, Fifth level. You get quicker. And you gain a second attack. So if you take the attack action. On your turn, you get another second attack for free. This isn't going into your bonus action. So if you hit with a quarterstaff, you could hit with a quarterstaff again and then go into your bonus actions, whether you use Flurry of Blows. And that goes up X amount of times as well. You gain a key ability that everybody loves at 5th level as well, that's Stunning Strike. Once you hit a target, you roll damage, and then you say you're going to spend a key point to make them roll a con save or they're stunned until the end of your next round. allows you to have this ability to stop somebody they can't attack, but then everybody else is getting uh, advantage attacks on them. It it makes things wild. I know DMs don't like this. I love it. I love it a lot. Sometimes I adjust cons because I want it to be one of those. Like, I want the roll when it fails to fail, but I also want them to have a good chance of success. you got to weigh that out when it comes to these. These are battle games. so. Um... At 6th level, your inner study, you don't have to spend key points, but key is kind of the focus. That internal energy that makes you you, allows your attacks to be magical for overcoming resistances and immunities to magical attacks. So, some monsters out there say that they're if the attack's not magical, it's immune or resistant to. You overcome that with this ability. Again, you don't need a magic item, you don't need a magic weapon, you just get it. Um, that's at 6th level, and it's just given to you. It just happens. At 7th level, you gain something called stillness of mind. You can use your action to add an effect that is causing you to be charmed or frightened. Just using your action. And I understand that sometimes you don't want to, or you want to get that other hit in, but it's nice just to go, hmm, I just don't want to be charmed anymore, I'm not. The downfall of this is if you're trying to weigh it, remember that most rolls to get out of charmed or frightened effects happen at the end of your turn. So after everything else is done, you roll to see what happens. So you're going to have to make the decision before you roll. It's not one of those roll, see, and then do it, because you can't do that. Um, you could talk to me about getting around it if your DM's cool. Uh, you also gain evasion, which allows you to, on decks, save attacks on you. Normally, deck saves fall into a category of you take all the damage or you take half the damage if you succeed. Evasion allows you to take half the damage if you fail and no damage if you succeed because of your quickness and your nimbleness. It's like a rogue's evasion as well. At 10th level, you get the purity of body. You become immune to disease and poisons. It's just a gimme. You no longer can be diseased or poisoned. talk to your DMs about how that plays into poison damage because the rules say one thing, but again, remember the rules are guidelines. That's a real thing. There is no such thing as playing it by the rules. In fact, I've learned that nobody really plays games by the rules. I'm learning rules that I was taught differently in games that I played for a long time, including Monopoly. So just accept it. Talk to your DM. Understand that the, the table is the table and that's how it is. At 13th level, you gain a lot of my players' favorite things, which is Tongue of the Sun and the Moon. Basically, using your key, not spending it, just having it, your studies, allow you to touch others' inner strength or their key. And you can understand spoken language from them. They can understand language from you. As long as everybody speaks a language, you can't do this to something that doesn't have a language assigned. And I know that we want to have the the philosophical arguments about things, but like if you're looking at like the stats of a demon dog they don't they understand a language, but they don't speak a language, so you can't just automatically speak to them at fifteenth level, you gain timeless body, your key sustains you. what does this do for combat for those of you that are looking at combat nothing absolutely nothing it doesn't do a darn thing there's nothing it's going to help you with. But what this does is basically, and I'll narrow it down because the wording is a little bit. You still get old, but you don't get frail from getting old. You will still die of old age, your character, not you. Well, we will too, but our characters will still die of old age eventually, but we don't become frail playing these characters. These characters don't get the fraility, Fraility is that a word? No, they don't become frail. They don't have the heart problems, the bone problems, the hip problems. Those things don't don't get them. And so they're down the line if they make a cameo back in a campaign and they're 80 years old, they're still feisty and they're still monks. <laughs> At 18th level, if you make it this far, rare that you see 15, super rare if you see 18, um, you can become invisible and become resistant to all damage except for force and for a little bit more key, you can project yourself astrally. It's kind of a neat thing. If you get that far, these are little added that you get. And then a twentieth level perfect soul allows you to add four key to your roll or to your um, four key to your pool. If you have no key when you roll initiative, if you have no key points left, you have to roll initiative. You get four. This is what all monks get we haven't even got into the little specific stuff. That's why I think monks are so cool and they have a lot going on. So, where are we at? Well, let's jump into the tradition of dun-dun-dun, open hand. That's right, right out of the player's handbook. It's funny how we rarely get to these sometimes because they're usually at the end alphabetically. This monk, the monk of open hand, is about controlling the battlefield, whether it's a single target or multiple targets that they singly do. There's not a lot of AoE control, but there's single target control with open hand, and at least it was a thought process. A good player that is a strategist can use this monk not only for combat, but to do some control. Again, it's a single target control, and they can go back and forth with these. So you get all that stuff I mentioned in monk. But at third level, when you take open hand, you gain open hand technique. When you use flurry of blows, one of the flurry of blow attacks hit. That one can have you can make the creature make a deck save or be knocked prone free right off the bat. You can make them net you have to choose one of these, like if the flurry of blow hits, deck save, knocked prone. All right. Or maybe you want to push them back 15 feet. So they have to make a strength save. That's one of them. And then finally you can make them just have no reactions till the end of your next turn, which just feeds into movability and moving around the field without a save. Again, it only happens on one of the flurry of blow hits. And you have to choose. You don't get all three. You have to choose one of them. And that's just raw. It's once per turn. And again, raw. Talk to your DM. Every DM's a little different. Every table's a little different. At sixth level, you're going to gain wholeness of body. So basically what it is is like, um, not an action surge. A, um, it allows you to heal yourself. I'm trying to remember, um, uh, Second win from Fighters. Once per long rest, you basically can heal yourself, regain hit points up to three times your monk level. Again, this starts at 18 hit points at 6th level and works its way up. It is a full round action, so you got to choose that part of that commodity that you want to use. And you can do it once per long rest. So once you do it within a day, you can't do it to the next day. At 11th level tranquility it's a special meditation that surrounds you with an aura of peace it's kind of neat has a downfall basically the monk finds center and peace at the end of a long rest when they find that center they have the effects of the sanctuary spell on them and it lasts until the start of the next long rest or if something causes it to to go off to to fade the DC is 8 plus the Wisdom Modifier plus the Um And again, it's going to go early if you cast a spell. So if you're multi-classing with the Monk. Or if you make an attack of any kind. You come out of this. And you no longer have the Sanctuary ability. And then finally at 17th level you gain Quivering Paul. And I will say yes, it does that too. But probably not what you started with. game, however, you... Set up lethal vibrations by touching another person. You understand their makeup and their key to the point where you can send them, not knowing, into a vibration. When you do this, it's three key to start this vibration. It lasts for a number of days. Not right there, not when you see them. A number of days equal to your monk level. At right now, you're 17, so it's at least 17 days. You can use an action at any time in those 17 days to end the vibrations. When you do, the creature makes a con save. If the creature fails that con save, it reduces 0 hit points. If it succeeds, it takes 10d10 necrotic damage. You can only have this effect on one creature at a time. Uh, And you can choose to end the vibration harmlessly without using any action. The only thing is, the creature has to be on the same plane as existence. Uh, has to be on the same plane of existence as you are. That's it. That's the only thing. It has to be somewhere in the same plane. Again, that's you know the super seventeenth level. If you get there, cool, great. If not, it is what it is. He's got the whole world in his well, one person's life in his hand. Yeah. Okay. Shadow Monks. Let's go into Shadow Monks. I love Shadow Monks. You want to be a sneaky sneak? You want more stealth and subterfuge when it comes to your Monks? That's fine. You want to be one with the Shadows, like Rendith Goverbean from the Bros and Dragons podcast. May he rest in peace. This is the one you want. All that other Monk stuff we talked about at the very beginning. And then at third level, when you take this uh, tradition... You gain shadow arts. You can use your key to duplicate the effects of certain spells. It's right as an action. You spend two key points. And you can cast either darkness, dark vision, pass without trace, or silence. No components necessary. Also, you get the minor illusion cantrip if you didn't have it already. Why? Because some refuge. Because you learn, when you think about it, those ones would help you with sneaky, stutterfuge, causing darkness, giving yourself dark vision or somebody else. I don't know if you can give somebody else, but paths without a trace or silence. These allow you the ability to be snicky snicky, outside of a battle. In a battle too, but outside of a battle as well. Not everything is about being in combat, y'all. At 6th level, when you take shadow, you gain the ability to step from one shadow to another. It requires dim light or darkness. You have to be in one of those two. But you use your bonus action, again using commodity, to teleport yourself 60 feet to an unoccupied space that you can see that is also in dim light or in darkness. When you step out, your first melee attack has advantage. As long as it's done before the end of your turn, so if you use your bonus action to shift from one shadow to another, come out, hit a move up to, and hit strike a opponent, it's you get advantage as long as you haven't ended this turn. Eleventh level cloak of shadow. You are one with shadow, and shadow is with you. Sorry, that's a different movie and totally a different thing. When in dim or when in dim light or darkness. You can use your action to become invisible at 11th level. This is crazy. You are invisible until you attack, cast a spell, or go into bright light. It is one of the things you have to stay in shadow for this. Or bright light comes on to you. Kind of a neat little thing, especially at 11th level. Just a little free invisibility there. Uh, finally, at 11, at 17th level, you become what they call opportunist. You exploit momentary distractions. And how it's put out is when somebody else makes an attack at a creature that's five feet from you. You can use your reaction, if you still have it, to make a free melee attack. Right at them. It's that simple. Oh, you hit? Bam, I hit. Now, you only get one reaction, unless you have a way of doing extra reactions. I know that... Um, I was watching a show where the DM created a little extra thing where they could spend key to get more reactions. It's possible. It's a DM's game. DM's world, especially if they're making a brand new world. And they can add things to it. Our last monk, and I can't believe we finally got here. Our final monk is Way of the Sun Soul. Your life is divine or solar energy. You can sear and burn create light just with your key your enter training the rogue doesn't like it but we don't care cuz they're just trying to get their sneak attack we could be the embodiment of the sun starting at third level you get something called radiant sunbolt is what it sounds like when you attack with your action <laughs> you make a ranged attack instead of a regular attack you're still going to use your melee for this, and it's an unarmed strike transferred to this. It's dex based, you have proficiency. A range bolt of searing radiant energy goes to a target. You do not use to use have to use this on just the attack, by the way. But if you use this attack, you could spend one more key point and do two more like a flurry of blow as your bonus action. When you get your extra attack feet as you get that second attack for um Monks, you can do it with your second. Every single attack can be a Radiant Sunbolt. It's up to you. It's Radiant range attack that uses your, your uh, Martial Arts die. Oh yeah. You can basically scream, bow before my Radiance and punch somebody that's what did I say, 30 feet away? Using Radiant energy. <laughs> Forget the Wizards and their staff. A monk is never unarmed. At 6th level, they gain Searing Arc Strike. This takes up your bonus action. So again, if you're, you have to pay attention to the economy, because the economy is not free. But, using your bonus action, immediately after taking an attack action, you can spend 2 key to cast Burning Hands as your bonus action. So if you don't want to do Flurry of Blows, you don't want to cast 2 bolts, you just want to do a mass area of Burning Hands, you spend 2 key, you can do that. You can also cast it at higher levels by adding a key point, but remember the limit to this is you can only cast the spell level equal to half of your monk level. So at sixth level, it can only be a third level burning, burning hands. It's in the rules, it's just how it is. They had to put some limitations, so it would be like. And what is it? Oh, something about cosmic powers? <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I ruined it. That's me already. And finally, at 17th level, you gain Sun Shield. A covering of Magical Bright Aura. 30 feet bright, 30 feet dim after that, 60 feet of light. You can extinguish or restore the light as a bonus action if you're paying attention to that. But if a creature hits you, while this light shines off of you, you can use your reaction to deal radiant damage to the creature. 5 plus your wisdom level. Or Wisdom Modifier. At 17th level, you're going to be close to a 5, so it'll be 10 points of Radiant Damage just as a reaction. You are a beacon of Burning Light. You are the soul. I can think of so many ways to roleplay this. That would be amazing. Listen, that's it for Monks. DMs hate it. Players love it. I, as a DM, do not hate it. In truth, it's a great class. It allows the DM not to worry about one person's magic item level because it's made to be magic through the study of key. They can never get a magical item and they will be on par with everybody else. I think it's amazing. Roleplay it. Be kind. DMs be open to suggestions. Players be open to having a yes but put in there for part of the play. Think outside of the written material. Nothing has to be exactly the way it's written. If you want to play that way, that's fine. But make sure you're communicating that to your players. Next week, we start the Holy Moly Righteous Anger Fighters. We call them Paladins. Bros and Dragons will be back recording every Monday, starting next Monday. It'll be on Nerdworks Media Twitch. So not here on YouTube, but Twitch. Nerdworks will be back from his vacation, so hopefully we'll get some cool stuff. We love the Vigid James and Coffee next Wednesday and Friday. Uh, tonight on Twitch will be the new uh, amazing talk show that's run by um, uh, the people who made Rupture. And I'm drawing a blank. Why am I drawing a blank? Probably because it's new. Uh, Storycraft Games will be running uh, Game Night, talking about tabletop, board games, all the other stuff. It's been an amazing show so far um, here on YouTube, NerdWorks Media Channel. You can see it. Uh, but they're going to be doing it live on Twitch tonight. So uh, you really need to be following us there and here. Make sure to turn those things on because I really think we're going to start doing a little bit more here. I know I'm going to cut this a little early, but it's because I didn't think I was going to get through it. We were doing one monkey at a time, but here we are. And I didn't have a commercial today, so this might be it. I end every show the same way. So if you're seeing this for the first time, know that you can jump in the live chat and ask questions. I will answer them live. There wasn't any today, but this is the first time we're doing it on YouTube, so we'll see what happens. For now, remember, love one another. Keep it nerdy and live your dreams. Later. This has been a NerdWorks production.